This is the Bigger Pockets Podcast. Show 232. It's all about relationships. So for us, we, we I've continually worked on and our whole team works on establishing relationships with real estate agents, establishing relationships with other local real estate investors, establishing relationships with wholesalers in our market. So there's there's a lot of different places you can get those properties. You're listening to Bigger Pockets Radio, simplifying real estate for investors large and small. If you're here looking to learn about real estate investing without all the hype, you're in the right place. Stay tuned and be sure to join the millions of others who have benefited from BiggerPockets.com, your home for real estate investing online. What's going on, everybody? This is Josh Dorkin, host of the Bigger Pockets podcast, here with my co-host, Mr. Brandon Turner. What's up, man? Dude, what's going on? Dude, sweet. Dude, sweet. Sweet. Sweet, dude. Yes. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I'm glad you've seen Dude Rose My Car. Oh, it was amazing. Yeah, it's a great movie. Anyway, Best movie ever. I, I don't know if I go that far, but let's calm down. <laughs> I definitely <laughs> won't go that far. <laughs> All right, no, been? I've been good. I've been busy. I've been uh, doing a bunch, Day. bunch of rehab. Thanks to you. You too. You, uh, you're, yeah. you're a dad too, so good job. Yeah. Are you a grandpa yet? You're, you're close. Wow, really? Sixty-five. I will. Uh, you're the I've oldest dad th- I know. I've never threatened violence, but <laughs> if you ever suggest such a thing on my children, <laughs> you're gonna I will be, find you. Is that weird that someday you're gonna be like a grandpa? Your little sweet little girls are gonna be all like grown up and out of the house. I the other day, I'm, really, I know. Really? I read this book. I read this book, and it was called like. You're like, a terrible like, person. No, listen, it was like it was called like <laughs> your last time or something like that. And it was all about like someday it'll be the last time you hold your little baby. It'll be the last time they swing a baseball bat. I seriously yep. started like just crying reading this book. Like my girl's yeah. a year old. Anyway, I'm tearing up right now. Yeah, my my eight year old doesn't yeah. like let me read to her. She doesn't sing, you know, there's all sorts of you know, I want to do it on my own. All right, get, get lost, Dad. Oh, come on. <laughs> Oh, uh, it's so hard growing up. Anyway, yeah, yeah, yeah. wow, we we got, we got really deep and sad here, but yeah, we did. Yeah. This show, this, show <laughs> this is a fantastic show. Hold Man, on, today, don't go anywhere. Yeah, today's show is so good. It's so good. If you guys are struggling with finding deals today, listen to all. Like this is like an hour and a half long show. It's gonna blow your mind. There's so much good stuff in here, especially like the topic on leadership. We get into later in the conversation. Unbelievable. Nathan's just a really good guy. So we'll get to that in a minute. Yeah, he's great. He's great. And in the show, we'll, we'll kind of get into this, but Nathan's been on the show before show 87 and 159. So if you haven't checked those out, go to biggerpockets.com slash show 87, biggerpockets.com slash show 159, or however you consume it. Just look for those episodes uh, before you get into this one, if you want to dig in. But before we get into today's show, we've got today's all right, so today's quick tip is something that I actually just built or worked on yesterday for myself. So we all know driving for dollars is a good way to find deals. You get in your car, drive around, and well, maybe we don't, we don't all know that, but most people know that's a pretty good way to find vacant houses. Drive around, and you're like, hey, that house looks vacant, and then you write it down, you go home and research it and contact the owner. The problem is, I feel like when I'm just randomly driving around, I stumble across these houses, and I'm like, oh, I should contact the owner. But it's like, I don't have a paper and pen handy and like, I'm not going to like do all this weird stuff and even like texting and driving. It's all gets weird, right? So what I figured out yesterday is this. There's a site called If This Then That. It's ifttt.com and it's a, I mean, they have a paid version, but it's a free service that enables you to do like, if something happens, do something else. So here's what I did. I set it up so that- I get an email from Brandon, respond yeah, yeah. back, 
<laughs> Leave me the hell alone. <laughs> yeah, you can do that. You can do it. Yeah, you can do it. And you, you do want. that. That's why I get those messages every day from you like 20 times. Yeah. All right. So I set it up. So if I text a certain phone number, it will add a line in a spreadsheet I have on Google Sheets. So basically now all I have to do is take my phone and say, hey, Siri, text driving for dollars 55 Ridge Lane. Message to driving for dollars says 55 Ridge. There. And so then I send it. And it, uh, it goes off to my Google sheet and I don't have to have like, any notes or anything. And then later on I have like the spreadsheet in Google sheets that'll just keep track of it. Anyway, that was a That's not awesome. so quick tip, but I, I love that. I'm going to see how I could play with if this, then that using yeah. Siri to text. That's, that's very, yeah, very clever. Te- you should write that up. I will make a blog post about that. I'll put sure. it out. Good, good, good. All right. Hey, before we move on guys, I, I do have two quick announcements, um, that I'm required to provide to you. You're required. Right. Your, your boss made you. My boss made me do it. All right, guys. <laughs> we here at Bigger Pockets are looking for two new employees for the company we're hiring. So, first is a UI engineer. We used to call them front end designers, front end engineers. Uh, we're looking for somebody to focus on the front end development of Bigger Pockets, someone who is able to combine art design with the art of programming. You're perfect for this job if you have a strong passion for providing quality design and experience for users. As a front-end position at BP, a great opportunity. You could come sit here in the office, work every day with all these amazing people. Experience in React is a plus. And we are definitively looking for somebody in Denver. But if, if you're not in Denver and you're fantastic, you should apply anyway. And uh, jobs at biggerpockets.com would be where you would send your cover letter and resume. Uh, the next one is publishing coordinator. So we're looking for somebody with an entrepreneurial spirit to oversee the growth and operation of our publishing business. If you love real estate and understand the elements that make up a good book, then this position is for you. If you like to roll up your sleeves, hustle, expand the reach of Bigger Pockets Publishing while simultaneously finding opportunities for new books, we're looking for you. If you like to read, if you're awesome at writing, <laughs> if you're awesome at books, we're, we're looking for somebody amazing to take over. Uh, our publishing business and and help lead it to the next level. You so, read the, you read that wrong, by the way. You know it does the, say the food book. Yeah, it says elements that make up a food book, not a good book. So yes, which is uh, why we are we publishing need food a books publisher, now. <laughs> a new publisher, uh, because clearly Brandon. I did not uh, write that. I did not write that. I don't know. Who I wrote think that. Mindy might have rushed it. <laughs> anyway, anyway. It was, anyway, job openings, guys. We're looking, we're hiring. Go to biggerpockets.com slash jobs to find out more. Go to jobs at biggerpockets.com as an email to apply. Thank you very much. All right. Did you know that short and medium-term rentals often offer double the cash flow compared to long-term rentals? Well, it's true. And rental retirement just made investing in them easier than before. Now you can buy fully turnkey short and medium-term rentals that are newly built or renovated, leased, and managed. Maximize your cash flow, appreciation, and equity while the rental retirement team takes care of all of it for you. Plus, their creative financing options like interest rate buy-downs can get you a rate in the low fives. And their investor loans let you buy multiple properties with as little as 5% down, not 20%. 
5% down. But why buy with rent to retirement? They're investors just like you and me and rock one of the highest reputations across bigger pockets with more five-star reviews than any other company on our site. And I think that's a pretty big deal. To learn more, visit renttoretirement.com. That's renttoretirement.com. Or text REI to 33777. Again, text REI33. 7777 to learn more about how you can get started investing in some of the best cash flow markets today. Buy low, sell high. Buy low, sell high. It's a simple concept, right? But not necessarily an easy concept. Right now, high interest rates have crushed the real estate market. Prices are falling and properties are available at a discount, which means Fundrise believes that now is the time to expand the Fundrise flagship fund's billion-dollar real estate portfolio. You can add the Fundrise flagship fund to your portfolio in minutes by visiting fundrise.com slash pockets. Fundrise.com slash pockets. Carefully consider the investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses of the Fundrise flagship fund before investing. This and other information can be found in the fund's prospectus at fundrise.com slash flagship. This is a paid advertisement. Every lender loves to talk about how easy it is to get a mortgage. Then when it's time to fund your next deal, they ask for your full financials, your blood type, your mother's famous spaghetti recipe, and a map to the fountain of youth. Sound familiar? You got all that handy, right? Why not switch to a lender who actually makes qualifying for a loan easy? A lender like Host Financial. Host Financial takes the tedious tax returns, endless W-2s, and time-consuming financial requests out of the picture. Their light dock and common sense underwriting guidelines mean frictionless transactions every time. You'll even be able to use the actual or projected income of the short-term or long-term rental you're looking to purchase or pull equity out of. That's what lending built for investors looks like. So take the next step and grow your portfolio faster. Visit hostfinancial.com to request a quote in as fast as 60 seconds, which is faster than this ad. If not, it's pretty close. That's host, H-O-S-T, financial.com. Again, that's host, H-O-S-T, financial.com. Let's get to today's show. Today's guest is Nathan Brooks. You want to introduce him? Josh? I do. I think that would be great. Thank you for allowing me to do that. Nathan Brooks. I I allow. I'm a gracious guy. It's not true what they say about me. He's a fantastic guy. Nathan Brooks is a real estate investor out in the Kansas City market. He's been in real estate for 10 years now. Started doing a few flips and a few rentals. He crashed and burned with the downturn in the early 2000s. And then steadily, steadily started to bring things back, you know, worked through these difficulties and and overcame them and the challenges to go and scale his business. Today he's doing, he says, 120 flips this year. Uh, He's got a turnkey rental property company and those deals come from the flips that he does. And he's really, really bright guy doing some awesome stuff. So let's bring him in. Nathan Brooks, why on earth are you back here on the Bigger Pockets podcast? My lord, what are they doing? Josh, I don't know, man. I mean, all of a sudden it's like, you know, once a year we have this date and it's, you know, Josh <laughs> and Brandon and we we're talking about beards and no beards. I don't know. Uh, it's uh, great. I'm super excited to have you, man. I'm super excited. I actually Thank think you. your beard I, has gotten smaller every every time we've had you on. Because I mean, the first time we had you on, it was like a foot long, and then it you know it was a couple inches. It's now thicker it's, though. I mean, that thing is like literally you you couldn't find skin underneath it if you wanted to. <laughs> yeah, it's just how it's made. You know, a little miracle grow here, a little miracle grow there. <laughs> there you go. Problem I, solved. I like it. Uh, I, I like it. Gosh, well, it's a little more manly than mine, you know. But you know, that's all right. I'm not comparing. So let's talk about. You're getting there. <laughs> Thank you. Let's talk about what you've been up to. Actually, before we do go what you've been up to, I mean, I'm assuming that half the people listening to the show have not heard the other two episodes with you. So 
pause this, go back and listen to two episodes with Nathan, or just keep listening and listen after. But for those people, give us a quick recap. Who are you? How'd you get into real estate? Kind of walk us through your journey in the next like half hour. I'm just kidding. Yeah, like two minutes. Go. <laughs> and as, as we mentioned, it was show 87 oh, yeah. and 159 of the Bigger Pockets podcast. You can find it at biggerpockets.com slash show 87, biggerpockets.com show slash show 159, or just look for it on iTunes or anywhere else. Thank you, Vanna White. Yeah. All right. Wow. Let's go and, next and thank you. And thank you again for having me on. And uh, it, it's pretty cool uh, to, to have this opportunity with you guys again. So there's, there's only a few, uh, there's only a few three Peters. I think we only have like two or three, three Peters. Two or three. Yeah. So I believe uh, Chris was number three and I believe I am number four. four three Peter. All right. Yes. Wow. You're not they're, counting they're, though. You're they're all watching each other. Yeah. yeah. Nobody's, <laughs> yes. nobody's paying attention at all. Nobody's yeah, so been a four Peter yet. So. <laughs> That's right. So I, I uh, started in real estate, you know, about 10 years ago and, uh, we, we started acquiring properties, both, uh, doing some flips and doing some rentals. And, uh, over the course of a couple of years, we, we rode the, the crash down and, uh, crashed and, and uh, burned and, uh, basically lost everything in that, in that time. And, uh, we just had some decisions to make whether we wanted to get back after it or not. And, um, so, you know, my wife and I chose that we were going to get back into it. And so slowly but surely we did one or two and then we added some more rentals and then, uh, we started doing some more flips and joint venture kind of stuff. And, uh, so fast forward here to 2016, you know, we did roughly, I think, uh, 64 properties last year and this year we're on pace to, you know, flip well over a hundred. This is oh. 2017. Just correct. Just in 17. Uh, just making, just making sure. <laughs> All right. So, so you've, you've scaled the hell out of this thing. I mean, th- this is everyone who wants to be a real estate magnate's dream, right? Like how do I go from buying that first one and getting through all the fear of, of doing that, overcoming that, getting the next one, figuring out a strategy and then growing. And uh, I think you mentioned earlier, you're, you've now got 34, 33, 34, 35 employees. You're about to flip 120 houses this year. I mean, that's spectacular. That's spectacular. So we we want to kind of dive in a little bit on on a on a few things on you know how are how are you finding all those deals? We're going to talk about like you know management of people, what works, what doesn't work, just all the all the kind of mindset. So let let's start at that finding deals. Mm-hmm. You know. To flip 120 houses means you have to buy what a what is that a house every three days, uh, so you're buying and turning a house give or take on average every three days. That that requires ridiculous systems, and, and we'll dive into that afterwards. But like, what do you, what are you looking for? How do you come across all these properties? You know, I so I think the first question is what is the end result. So if you can start with the end result of what that property is going to do, then actually you, you should answer the question I asked instead of asking <laughs> the question. This is my show, dude. What are you doing? <laughs> well, I think by answering your question, I can ask a, a different question first, which is what All am right. I trying to get in order to answer what kind of property I'm trying to get? Beautiful. And so, which was a great question. Okay. You know, <laughs> thank, you. thank you very much. <laughs> and I'm really proud of you for that great question. Uh, so, uh, 
I think that you have to start with what that is. So first of all, for us, you know, we, we on the flip side of our business, we flip to turnkey. So we sell the turnkey properties and clients, you know, buy those and we put a tenant in them and then we, we manage for them. So, okay, well, what constitutes a great, you know, rental property? Can I build in the cost of what my repairs and my rehab and that kind of thing and the way that we rehab? So it's one thing to do, you know, carpet and paint, and it's another thing for us to do a full scale rehab. So I can't go in without having a good amount of margin in that to to do my rehab. And then secondly, MLS wise, so you know, what is the value? Can I I typically run the higher end of the the market ARV? So I don't want to be kind of priced lower end. I want to be priced higher end and we do our finishes and we do our, we're approaching it in that way where we're, we're going to maximize the amount of value that we can get out of the property by setting the conditions such as, you know, better finishes and, and, you know, really particular about the neighborhood. Makes sense. So did you answer my question? (laughs) Okay. So are you, do you mean specifically as we are looking at a deal? Sure. Uh, What? What? All right. No, all right, seriously. Yeah. I'm, so I'm, I'm talking about like very specific and that, that, that's great. And, and that's your position, right? You guys are mm-hmm. finding properties. You're putting them uh, at the top end of the spectrum. Sounds like you're doing them in probably um, middle-class, you know, white collar, give or take neighborhoods. Is yep. that about right? Okay. Yeah. So, exactly. Okay. So to find 120 deals, you have to do something. Right. To find it's all about relationships. Okay. It's all about relationships. Talk about that. So for us, we, we I've continually worked on and our whole team works on establishing relationships with real estate agents, establishing relationships with um, other local real estate investors, establishing relationships with wholesalers in our market. And then other, you know, great internet marketing type people who produce those type of leads, but are not in the market. So there's there's a lot of different places you can get those properties. And then I think the key for uh, for that has been um, we're, we're speedy on that. So if a wholesaler sends us a deal, we're able to actually look at it quickly. We're able to make an offer quickly. We're able to close quickly. And so um, when we're looking, we, we haven't just looked in one area, whether that would be, you know, direct seller marketing, which we're going to start, you know, working on as well. But we... We have just taken the approach of saying, let's build the relationship. They're going to bring us the deal. We're going to look at it and then have the result. Okay, that's awesome. And and so what I'd like to do, you mentioned agents, investors, marketers, and wholesalers as as kind of your four sources. What what percentage of your deals are coming from relationships? Is it a hundred percent? It's it's. I don't know if it's a hundred percent, but I mean it's ninety five percent. Okay. Yeah. All right. Cool. So. What I want to do is just talk about each, right? So you agents, how, how are you working with the agents? How are you finding good agents to work with? And what is that relationship like? Because, you know, you, you talk to a lot of agents, they're like, oh, I don't want to work with investors. Uh, investors are a bunch of scumbags, blah, 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 right? right? Then there's the ones who are like, they get it, right? They recognize that if they work with you, if they can source deals for you, they're going to get a lot of business, you're going to, you don't have to keep shopping. I, as an agent find Nathan Brooks. I'm, I got somebody who I can give business from all day long, which is beautiful. Right. So how do you find that agent who can provide you with what it is that you're looking for? 
Well, I think you have to be able to first speak the language and say, you know, if you're that retail buyer's agent driving people around, that's probably not the agent that you're looking for. That's a very different job, very different opportunity versus somebody who um, we've spent the time to say, hey, this is what I'm looking for on one deal. So I I find a listing. It looks interesting. It's in the ballpark of what I think I can can do. Because the last thing you want to do is call up somebody for the first time and say, hey, I know you're listed at, you know, $100,000, but I'm going to write a $50,000 offer and, you know, go work both sides. And oh, by the way, you know, I'm the best thing ever. They're going to just think you're full of it and they're not going to work with you. But for us, we say, hey, I tell you what, you've you got it listed at 100. I think I can actually do, you know, $94,242. And that's my best offer. And it's cash. And, you know, and here's all the details of our offer. And what questions do you have for me about my offer? Does that make sense? Do you understand why? And then they can go to bat for their to their seller and say, hey, this is this guy's a, a legit investor in our market. Yeah, they do a lot of uh, business. And I talked to their you know title company. They always close when they say they're going to close. And so we build the relationship from the back end of it to say, you might have 100 investors in here and get all these offers, but that doesn't mean any of them can close. Yep. Yeah. So That's great. Then they That's have great. the confidence in us when we make that offer and, and be able to move it forward. Yeah, I like that. So what about somebody who's brand new? You know, a lot of new investors worry about, I can't find an agent because I don't have a track record. I'm just going to look like I came out of some, you know, guru boot camp and I'm all excited. I'm going to be gone next week. How do I, as a new investor, how do I convince an agent to come work with me? I think it's just starting with the one. Uh, and again, we, we talked about it and I didn't answer your question, so I apologize. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, you have to know what you're looking for first, right? Yep, if yep. you send if you if you have some agent you you just keep looking at houses and you may or may not make offers but you're not really actually getting anything under contract nobody's going to want to work with you. Yep. Because they don't nobody wants to work for free. Yeah. So if you know what you're looking for and you can say this is the range or this is the neighborhood or this is what I want or you know get a partner uh, that's done it before and knows what areas and has some relationships so they can they can you know you you're not just trying to learn everything on your own in this day and age, bigger pockets and books and all kinds of stuff that you can, you can get more than just that information. You can have somebody who can actually introduce you and make relationships. Yeah. But you know, I think it's a part, part that part, knowing what you want and then part, just making sure that you actually tell them what you're doing. Hey, my name is Nathan Brooks. I'm a first time real estate investor. This is what my plan is. This is the price range. Uh, I'm not here to waste your time. Here's my pre-approval. I'm ready to go. I love that. I love, I love having, yeah, a lot of agents get irritated because they don't want to go make offers, work this big, huge process of this deal. And then at the end of the day, not be able to close, right? Like that's the biggest irritation for an agent. They put in 20 hours of work for nothing, right? So you just got to convince them that you are ready to go. And if you're not ready to go, go find a partner who is, like you said, I think that's fantastic advice. Well, and the other thing on the wholesaler side, you know, I can't tell you the number of deals we've gotten where somebody else wrote an offer that was say two to 4,000 higher than ours. And then I get a call, you know, four days before closing and they're panicked because, you know, Joe Schmo, you know, buyer backed out because they didn't have their, they didn't have it together. Yeah. Yep. And so then we come back in and we're like, well, hey, I tell you what, it was, you know, 4,000 off and now it's, you know, 6,000 off or whatever it is. And, uh, but we can close in three days. Sure. No problem. Oh, you are mean. <laughs> 
grand. I didn't ask for 10. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I like, I like the advice about being specific too. I mean, imagine you're an agent or, you know, if I was an agent, somebody came to me and said, Brandon, I want to invest in real estate. I'm looking for any property. If it makes a good deal, I'd be like, good for you. But if you're like, Hey, Brandon, I'm looking for a two to four unit property under $150,000. And I got financing lined up for that. What do you got? Yep. All of a sudden then I'm like, what do I have? Let me do that search for you. Like then I'm, I'm engaged in the conversation. I'm like, they've done their homework. They know what they're doing. They, I think just doing your homework is like the best way to get an agent to, you know, to work with you. Well, we, not only did we do that, but we took it a step further for our business where we actually had the buyer info sheet for us, for Bridge. So it literally says, hi, my name's Nathan Brooks. This is Bridge. This is what we buy. This is the area we buy. We're cash. Here's our proof of funds. Go. So there's not even a question, and they're not wondering about what we'll buy either. We already wrote it out. Yep. So we gave them specific detail, price point, beds and baths, square footage, everything, and all they have to do is fit it in that criteria. Yep. This is amazing. This is amazing. So now I walk up to an agent, or I find them on Bigger Pockets, I find them somewhere else, and they don't have to worry. I mean, they may worry. Look, hey, I've got three thousand dollars in the bank. Oh, you're going to be worried. Hey, I can. Get approval for you know seventy two thousand, but every property in the market is a hundred, even dilapidated. You know there's going to be a problem. So you, you got to come in and actually make sure that you've got your stuff uh, ready, your ducks in a row, yeah. in order to actually do the deal. But it, it's fantastic. So um, any tips before we move on to investors, other investors? how to find these guys. Like getting your ducks in a row, being organized is a great way to lock them in. But mm -hmm. do you just like jump on BP, look for you know local agents and, and do that? Do you ask other investors for referrals? Do investors like to refer agents to other investors? W what advice do you have on that? You know, I think for me personally, it's been all about making the direct relationship because if I am reaching out to some, when it, that could be on bigger pockets, that could be on Craigslist, that could be on just searching your MLS. But if you don't pick up the phone, which who does that anymore these days, right? Yeah. So I will, even today, I will pick up the phone and say, hey, this is Nathan Brooks. Uh, and I'll send an email first. So here's my buying criteria. This is my name. This is what we do. And then I'll make a phone call. And I'll just let them know, hey, I'm Nathan, this this uh, property at 123 Main Street, I'm really interested in. This is the ballpark of where my offer would be. Does that sound like it might work? Not like, will you write up an offer for me? But do you think we can make that work? And then by asking the question, do that. you think I can make that work? Then they have to say, they're trying to figure out automatically, how do I, how do I make this work for you? So, so you're suggesting, you're actually suggesting you go the next step. Because the average person would go find an agent and say, here's my criteria. What you're saying is you're doing the work. You're digging around on whether it's Redfin or Zillow or Realtor to find a deal. And you're doing the comps. You're doing the math on your own. Yep. You're then going to an agent and saying, this is a property I want. You don't have to take me to 38 properties. This is the property I want. This is the, these are the numbers I'm thinking about. What do you think? And based on that reaction, you can actually judge them, right? Because if they're like, oh, you're a crazy investor, get out of here. Or if they're like, oh, yeah, that's that's reasonable. That makes sense. Cool. Maybe now you have an opportunity to work with somebody who gets it. 
Yes. And so you have the opportunity on the one deal, right? So you, you, you gave them the, the criteria that you're looking for. And then can we write this up? And oh, by the way, Hey, don't worry, take both sides of this thing. Um, so instead of 3%, 6%, and then we're able to say from here, you know, do you work with investors? If not, okay, cool. Well, these are some of the things I'm looking for. Oh, where do you buy? Oh, cool. Well, here's my info sheet. Here's our proof of funds. And, you know, anytime you run across something like this, put me first in your, in your phone, you know, we'll have an offer to you usually within the same day, a lot of times within a few hours. Yeah. So then, and then we close, right? So if we put that deal together, but I think the, there's a few of the relationships and everybody talks about the 80, 20 principle, right? So 80, 20 principle for whatever it is, there's a few realtor relationships that I have that continually produce the results. And so it's not to say I won't call a new realtor, but then once you've trained those realtors on this is what I'm looking for, then they start sending you the deals that they see because they think that that might be a good fit for you. That's awesome. Yeah, that's very cool. Really, really, really good advice. All right. So next on the list were other investors. So mm-hmm. you said you get deals from other investors. How how are you doing that? I love this. So I will – I, I I try to build Thank those really. <laughs> it's awesome. This is great, right? isn't this? A, this is a great show. Like, it, it well, is what more show. do you want, man? What do you want? You get you got Josh, <laughs> the other guy, and Nathan Brooks. It's it's amazing. Uh, I, I just guy. love talking real estate. You know, th- don't worry. The beard's great too. Okay, the beard's good, great good. too. Uh, it's just fun. It's it's a blessing to be able to talk about this kind of stuff. You know, I so. For sure. uh, I think when you start thinking about, well, like, let's say, for instance, if Brandon was in my market, right? So, hey, Brandon, uh, just so you know, we have the capacity to buy two more deals this week. If you have anything going on, just let me know. Not like, can you give me some deals? Because yep. that, it, it, then I sound like I'm, I'm either desperate or, uh, you know, I'm not sure what I'm doing. So we've started to talk about that with other investors and, and multiple guys who maybe just don't have the capacity or because we've started to bring our construction in-house, so I might be able to actually buy it a little higher. Yep. And I've even started training and asking the wholesalers that we work with to say, hey, if, if you can't make that work at the wholesale number, call me first. Before you just pass up the deal, even if we can p- give you 1000 bucks or 2000 bucks for it and you just assign me the contract – or we go direct to the seller, or what you know, whatever that looks like, uh, we might still be able to make it work. That's cool. You know, l- last week I uh, uh, closed on a deal, and two weeks ago I, you know, got the deal. And the way I got it was calling up an investor I knew who was one of the lar- larger flippers in my area, and uh, he's doing five flips right now at the same time. He said, and one of them was a little, little bit more work than he wanted to do. So I said, hey, you know, I'm I'm just looking for something. I need to close on something the next week. He said, sure, I got this one deal. Go check it out. I looked at it. It was great. Like I got it from him. Like it wasn't a wholesaler. It wasn't, I mean, he actually owned the house at that point. He bought it with cash and it was just sitting there waiting to work on. And it was in his pipeline. He'll get to it later. And so I helped him out. He actually still made like, I think 15 grand on the deal, but he never did anything to it. It was just sitting in his portfolio, you know? So it was perfect. We've done that probably. I mean, I I bet you once a week, at least we've been doing that. Just people who have them sit in their uh, portfolio, like you said, or they're just sitting in inventory and they don't have uh, the capacity on the construction side. So why not it be a win and they make a little money now and we have another deal to put in our pipeline. And I love that. I I don't think I've ever heard anybody saying that here on the podcast before talking about the strategy, but I think it's fantastic. That's great. Very cool. All right. So, so that's, 
that's how you do it. And the, the way you find those investors, again, BP is obviously a resource. There's lo- local real estate uh, groups and clubs. Uh, hey, hey Josh, how would you, how yeah. would you find out about local events in your area? I don't even know. Oh, oh, perhaps biggerpockets.com slash events. Is oh my that, gosh. Is that how we do it? That's how you do it now. But Josh, there is no event in my area. What am I going to do? I just, I'm oh, going to go watch some TV. Oh man. Yeah, you should. And, 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 <laughs> you know, sit back and then yep. wonder for the rest of your life, what my life would have been like had I. Yep. I, uh, that's what I'm going to do. Is that, is that, yeah. Okay. No, or you can say, you know what? I'm going to take action today. I am going to create a group. I am going to become the hub of investors in my area. I am going to now become a resource. And by the way, I don't actually need to know that much about real estate in order to do this. And I can now become the hub. I can become the resource. I could bring people together. And by doing that, people are going to look to me as a leader, even though I have very little experience. And now I can get access to other investors and, and yes. Yeah. So start your own group. If there is not one in your area, obviously. That was really good. Said. That was really was good. Yeah. It was, that was good. It's Have you been like, rehearsing that for yeah, a while? Like he has. What? It's almost like he's been an rehearsing that. Yeah. yeah. What? <laughs> right. The elevator speech. That was really nice. That was a, for, for those who don't know, who haven't listened to the show. I just started doing this, by jo- the way. <laughs> Josh used to be an actor, actually. He was in Hollywood and used to do the acting thing, you know? Weren't you on That's SNL right. once, right? You were on Saturday. Right. Yeah, you were uh, playing basketball what? with Jerry Seinfeld. Wasn't that right? We'll see if we can dig up that this, clip. This is this is <laughs> completely and utterly this is, this is ridiculous, this conversation. This is and true. I refuse to partake <laughs> in your smearing. This is not smear. This is, a, this is a true thing. I'm going to find the, the clip. Fact, fact-finding mission. This yeah, is you, fact-finding. You could, yeah, yes, this is true. <laughs> yeah, that's what I thought. All right, so... Uh, but we're, we're not talking about Josh today. I know it's always about Josh every week, all about oh, Josh yeah, and his acting. So. Let's talk about wholesalers because all right, we, we talked about general investors. Wholesalers are obviously in the investing broad bucket there, but what is, what is different about finding deals from wholesalers? What do you need to look out for when getting deals from wholesalers? What do you need to do to get deals from wholesalers? Well, I think it, it really comes back to a lot of the things we already talked about, which is build the relationship. If you put something under contract, you have to close. Uh, well, you don't have to close. Obviously, if there's something terrible going on in the deal, you, you, you shouldn't do that. But know how to do your homework. Be speedy. Be honest. And so for us in, in, in our market with uh, the wholesalers we work with, there's a handful of people who bring deals on a regular basis that we built that relationship with and people on, on my staff too, who help make their life easier. So as opposed to, you know, asking everything of the wholesaler, we'll say, Hey, cool, just send the contract over. We'll handle it. Oh, escrow. Don't worry about it. We already handled that with uh, our coordinator on staff. They'll take care of it. And so by where's the add value where Again, I might pay a few thousand dollars less, but I bring a whole lot more value in the way that we're able to operate or the way that we're able to close the deal. Got it. All right. So how do I know, you know, you're Nathan Brooks, right? You're a legend in your own mind. You do 120 deals (laughs) a year. Um, (laughs) How do you, as a new investor, know whether this wholesaler is trying to pull, you know, pull something on you? How do you, how do you do that? How well, do you, you know, figure that, it out? Back to the first conversation, which is what are, what's my end goal? What can I pay? 
What area do I buy in? So don't just go try to buy any house. If you don't know the area and you're a first-time investor, you want to make sure that you limit, absolutely mitigate as much risk as possible. So this is the area I buy in. This is the price point I buy in. And maybe you actually have that realtor relationship who helps you run comps. Uh, so I do my own comps, but uh, if you're just starting out, you want to have you want to have the people who are kind of that backstop for you who are playing some defense and also asking you those important questions like, do you really understand what you're getting into? Don't jump into a $100,000 flip on your first deal. That's nuts. You know, yeah. go, go hit a single, find a deal that's, that's as simple as possible that makes sense and you can make money and, and, and also understand what is actually happening in that deal. Yeah. And, and have a clear scope and a budget and a contractor that you trust when you're going into it. So you mitigate as much of those risks before you close on that deal versus, you know, once you're in the middle of it and trying to figure that out. Yeah. And, and just for everybody listening, Nathan is in the Kansas City area. So when he says a $100,000 deal, that's nuts. For those of you on the coasts, you know, $100,000 deal sounds great. I would love to find one. In KC, what, what, what's your average uh, buy price? And what's your average uh, ARV? Um, we're we're somewhere in the AR. We're on the buy price, say between fifty and one fifty, and on the sell side, we're between say you know just under a hundred and three fifty, four hundred. Okay. Cool. So back to the wholesalers. Mm-hmm. That's great. I think all that is extremely helpful. But I'm a, I'm I'm new, and you know I found this wholesaler that brought me a, a quote deal mm-hmm. and. How do I know if it's actually his deal to give to me? How do I know that he's not going to burn me and manipulate me and I'm signing some contract that's, well, I don't know, that I, he doesn't even have a right to the property. How, how do I protect myself from shady wholesalers? And sadly, you know, we, we do our best to try and make sure that people don't behave this way. Well, there's nothing we can actually physically do, but, you know, right. by speaking out about it. But there are people who either don't know what they're doing that do shady stuff or there's people who are shady that do it. And, you know, how do you protect yourself? Well, I think uh, knowing what these steps are once you're under contract and before. So if you get a brand new deal and you're literally doing one of your first, you know, your your first deal or your first few deals, uh, you look at the contract and actually read it. And maybe you even send it to an attorney if you don't know what's going on in that contract. And then also the question to ask is, do you close on this property uh, are you, or are you assigning me the contract? And so if they're assigning a contract then understand, Hey, does the seller understand you might not be closing on this? And was it clear in that language? And then, you know, as you're, uh, doing your homework on the property, uh, make sure that once you, if you put that contract, if you put that property under contract that, you know, if a shady wholesaler is like, Hey, go ahead and just give me the earnest money. No, it needs to go to a title company or needs to go to an attorney who's the closing agent and make sure, you know, that third party, uh, you know, firewall, if you will, is in place. And then also make sure that you're not doing anything else in that contract that contractually makes you obligated to do anything if, if the title doesn't come back clean. So there's, you know, non, non-refundable deposits and stuff like that, that, you know, we had a deal come back that we were under contract for 52,000 that had 176,000 in liens Whoops. after the, yeah. So, you know, of course we're not closing on that, yep. and, but we were in escrow and it clearly said in the contract that, you know, we would get our money back if it, if they couldn't clear it at that sales price. So just make sure you've, you've, you know, you, 
you know what you're doing. You signed a contract that makes sense and it's legal and that you have those, you know, third parties, whether it's the you know title and otherwise that will help you. Great advice. Hey, how do you, how do you think the wholesalers are getting the deals that are there? I mean, what are they doing? Direct mail marketing or? Yeah, I think there's, there's a number of ways wholesalers can do that. So there's a, you can literally do the door knocking in old school and put hangers on the doors and knock and, uh, you know, just keep coming back. Uh, you can find uh, houses that just look dilapidated and track them down on the on your county. Um, so that's kind of like the the cheapest way. You can yep. find out the address and find out the owner and send in, send mail and then request forwarding on your on your uh, mail. And then you can always do pay-per-click and there's Google ads and those kind of things that send them, send people through filters and funnels of, of uh, you know, get, getting their information and then you can call them back. And then there's obviously the, the old school way of just sending direct mail and then picking a certain list that you're going to choose and, and creating those campaigns. Wow. That's great. great. Sound like you know what you're talking about. <laughs> I, I try to learn every day. Good. I love it. I love it. All right. So marketers. You know, you, you talked about these other folks that, that you get opportunities from. Who are these people? How do you find them? What are they doing? What's the story about these, quote, marketers? We have a number of relationships, but I would say this is kind of the furthest from the norm of other guys who have a, a bigger operation that have a much larger, you know, they might be sending 30, 40, 50, 100,000 pieces of mail a month uh, and have large uh, scale marketing campaigns. And so they produce leads and, and they're basically handing them off as a partner relationship, and then they have a piece of the action, in, so to speak, in a wholesale kind of fee. So you really have to understand what that actual deal looks like and what the agreement is prior to you know getting into a relationship with somebody like that. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. So uh, how do you find these resources? How do you find these, these, these folks? You know, for me personally, it's just come through uh, personal relationships. So let's say, for instance, I see one wholesale deal that comes through. So somebody was going through Bigger Pockets or Craigslist or whatever, and they pulled my email. And so I see a deal and then I, I understand who it's from. And then I come to find out, hey, this is in Arizona or, hey, this is in California or, hey, this is in, you know, Denver. Lots of guys in Denver, they're having trouble finding stuff in your market. You know, yes. so they'll, they'll produce wholesale leads in other markets. And then find guys like us who will will do that. But you know, I think that's the word of warning, which is understand who's actually doing that and what they're asking you to do. And then who's putting it under contract? Is it their contract or yours? And then what is your opportunity as far as you know, knowing that you're safe in that transaction and you have control of the deal that you just locked down for them? Awesome, awesome. I, I got one one last quick question, and I, I think I may have understood misunderstood. You had talked about offloading your properties to turnkey. Mm-hmm. Now, are you selling to other turnkey providers or are you guys actually also vertically integrating? And as you turn the properties, you're finding folks who want to acquire them. You're managing for those uh, new owners. Is, are, are you doing one? Or are you doing both? Yeah. So we, so a lot, there are third party aggregator businesses out there that do that. So they literally you know, have a platform for people to sell them. For us, we decided that we wanted to do everything in-house. And so we have built those relationships direct with those uh, investors and buyers. And so they come directly to us and they buy directly from us and our property that we had. And, and uh, 
we give them a warranty and then we do, like you said, we have our prop, our own property management that we then manage that property for them. Got it. Okay. So you're, are you only flipping to folks that you're then managing or are you flipping to other end buyers as well? We do flip to end buyers as well. So we do say 70% turnkey and about 30% to the MLS. Got it. Retail. Yeah. Cool. That's cool. And yeah. Awesome. How are you managing this whole process? What software do you use? Like what programs do you use? What management software? What CRM? All that. Sure. So we we started using some other property management software, but we we kind of decided and, and landed on and have now worked on Appfolio from the property management side. And they they've done a good job of continually helping solve problems within their software and building out cool new reports and and um, it's much more robust now. And then the other thing that we've done is we we run basically everything in our business on Podio now. Okay. Yeah. And so it's open architecture. You can literally basically anything that has a data point or information that you can have, you can build uh, systems, you can build uh, automations and workflows and anything around anything that you can put a data point to. That's cool. I'm actually trying to get Podio working right now. I'm, I'm working on this mobile home park, trying to find a mobile home park. So I'm trying to do that entire yeah. system inside Podio. So you and I need yeah. to have a conversation on how to you it, know, get this set up. Didn't we try and use it like three or four years ago, Brandon? We did. Podio. And I, I, I could never really figure it out. Like, yeah, we, yeah, you, we talked out. a lot about it, but uh, I'm committed now to is, figuring this out. <laughs> I think this is the secret. I think a lot of times we, we struggle to find something that we want to be the plug and play you know, end all be all and boom, we can just put it in our system. And what we found was Podio initially was just a nightmare, but we didn't really understand what it could do. And we didn't have the functionality because we didn't tell it to do what we wanted it to. And so over time, we started building out more specific apps and more specific things in Podio that then delivered the result. And now you can have dashboards that tell you, you know, uh, days on market or your average rehab cost or how many days your, you know, rentals are vacant. And you can create these things where you can see them in views. And and we've created those kind of views for people in our organization uh, because everybody has something a little different that they're looking for to see. Yeah, that's awesome. Got it. That's awesome. Cool. Yeah, well, I'm going to definitely, definitely get Podio working because what I've seen is it does exactly kind of what I want it to do. It just takes a lot of setup to get it to that point. So I'm, uh, I'm working on that. So anyway, all right, cool. So one other thing I, one other thing I wanted to commend you on, uh, as a turnkey provider, turnkey has a, a bad name sometimes in terms of, I feel like a lot of turnkey providers fudge the numbers. We'll say a little bit when they're talking to, to investors. So I've had some buddies that have worked with you and they've showed me your numbers. And I just want to say like the, the fact, first of all, you, you show the numbers using the bigger pockets calculators, which I think is just cool anyway. Right. Cause like yeah. we, we designed the calculators to help people see very plainly what the deal is like and what, you know, it makes it hard to fudge the numbers anyway. So I like that you do that, but also you, you include things like capital expenditures and repairs in your numbers. And I wish more turnkey people did that. I wish more uh, when wholesalers, when they came to me and they're like, here's a really good deal. No, it's not a good deal because you've fudged all these numbers up. You know, like I like the fact that you're very legit. And so I just want to commend you on that. Good job, Nathan Brooks. Well, thank you for saying that. And I, from the beginning, we said we didn't want to have a mediocre business. We had an awesome business. And if we're going to do a rehab, I want to do an awesome rehab. And we want to have clients. We want to have clients for a long time and we want to be their partner. And so, you know, I think that was important. And you guys have have really legitimized uh, a lot of things that most in in one place for bigger pockets, whether you're a wholesaler or you're a real estate agent and and trying to understand there's so much information out there. And so I think 
you know, you guys have done a phenomenal job of having content that's that's uh, real and makes sense. And for us to be, then be able to use the tools that you guys have provided, and then for us to be able to, to in the context of people that are looking on bigger pockets to say, well, I want to I want to buy Turnkey. Well, what does that mean? Okay, well now you can t- can learn what that means, and then we help tell the story about how we're actually rehabbing it and and trying to be as transparent as we possibly can so that they know what they're actually getting. Yeah. yeah. And I, I think this isn't important for business. Sorry. Just transparency in general, right? Like, yeah. The Agreed. more you can get to that better. Yeah. I, know, I know Brandon wants to move on to, you know, leadership and things like that. But, but before we do, I had, I had a question. You mentioned that you are, it sounds like vertically integrating construction in, mm-hmm. into your business. It sounds like you're fully ver- ver- vertically integrating everything into your business, which is awesome. This morning I, I had, br- had breakfast with a guy who, you know, he, you know, he and I talked about contractors, you know, they're, they can be very transient and, and, you know, they're always looking for the next best opportunity and, you know, loyalty doesn't seem to be there. And like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, this is what I hear over and again with, with everybody. And he's talking about building his own, you know, crew of painters, getting his own crew of drywall, you know, literally building. I mean, he works on massive projects, but, you know, for somebody like you, 120 deals. I mean, it seems really logical that you have all that quality control. Otherwise, you know, I mean, you can't, you can't maintain that many projects consistently with the average contractor, right? So how do you, how do you do that? How do you find great contractors who are going to do the job, who are going to do a great job and who are going to keep coming back? Man, that is that is the question, I think. Uh, so it's really easy to put a deal together on paper that looks awesome, and it's another to uh, put it out the other end of the factory, so to speak, and in the way that you want it to be. And so I think no matter what skill you are, whether you're doing one or I think we have 21 active projects in construction right now, it doesn't matter. It's always a challenge. And so there's a few things that we've been working on to to solve that problem. First of all, we are working no matter if you're the lowest guy in the totem pole or you're the highest guy uh, on staff running everything, we are making it very clear on what our expectation is. This is what a kitchen looks like. This is what the design is. This is how you put in a, a tub. This is what the type of vanity is. And we've started to make it clear for every single project. And so not only do you have the scope of the project on the job site, but you also have the selections that are there. So even if you're the you know the the laborer person and you can clearly see you know every bedroom gets a ceiling fan it's right there so go pick up the box un you know unpack it and put the ceiling fan in and so the more clear we can be on the process and the end result that we're looking for and in my business we talk about a lot we talk about the activity and the result so the activity is rehabbing a house but the result is to have you know everything is you know completed in the way that you wanted it And you have to tell them what you want and then you have to train them continually and over and over and over on what you're expecting them to do. Yeah. So on on bigger pockets, we call that our style guide, right? So it's, you know, if you're going to create a button on the site, this is what the button should look like. If you're going to create a page, here's the border, here's the margins, here's what the fonts look like, here's how the page in general is expected to be composed and, you know, we, we didn't have that for a lo- very long time, but, and creating it is a big fat pain in the, you know what, it is. How, sure. however, once, once that's in place, 
now you have the tools. Now you have the language with which yep. everybody can speak consistently so that going forward, it's just easier. You don't even have to worry like, yeah, every bedroom is going to have a ceiling fan done. I don't, right. I don't have to ask that question. It's, yep. it's done. Right. Yep. It's, exactly. That's beautiful. I love it, it is. And I think for, for the first time rehabber, it still makes sense. It's still applicable. So you have to decide at some point you're going to have to decide what tile am I putting in? What color am I painting the house? What kind of roof am I putting it on? So start building on that stuff now. And it doesn't have to be as detailed as we're doing, you know, hundred and some flips, but you can start with that, put the basics of that in play. And then you're able to build from that rather than, you know, wake up one day and you have a giant company with what, like you have like 3000 employees or something. Yeah, not, not quite. <laughs> not quite. And, uh, and, you know, trying to tell them what to do, uh, and, and how you want the, the, the websites laid out. Well, it's like a cookbook, right? I mean, like you have to know the ingredients. You have to know how they're prepared. And the cookbook explains it consistently. Here's our cookbook. Yes. Here's how we want things done. And, and so to your point, like on a new, somebody new, hey, I really love what this looks like. We're going to use this vanity every single time. Cool. Write yeah. it down, right? Write it down. These tiles are fantastic. I love working with these. Write it down. And then little by little, don't just say, hey, I want the black tiles. What are the model numbers? How much yep. are they? Where do you buy them from? Yep. You know, create that. Now you're systematizing each property so that as you go forward, you know, you just make it easier. Well, and don't forget then on top of that, so you you put the, you know, one, two, three black tile and you put the, you know, one, two, three vanity and then you go back to whoever that supplier is and you say, hey, remember me? I was here last week and I bought the one, two, three black tile. Hey, I, I, I'm buying it again. See this? It's in my cart. Cool. I'm going to see you next time. And I, I look forward to having a conversation about what we can do better on the price. There you go. I love it. So then you, you, you're, you're instilling that relationship. And then you're instilling the opportunity that they're going to give you a better deal. And we, we've continued to do that in, in a lot of those relationships. Awesome. Cool. Yeah. Cool. All right. Well, kind of on a related note, I do want to get to talk a little bit about leadership. And uh, one of the reasons why is because, Nathan, you and I had a conversation back, I don't know, four or five months ago. And I was kind of telling you what's going on in my business, some of the struggles I'm having. And, and you kind of mm -hmm. called me out on something. And you said, Brandon, you need to take responsibility for the leadership of your team. He said, yeah. <laughs> he said, yeah, he, he basically this said like, so true. <laughs> well, so like, thank you, Josh. No. So I have a tendency to just kind of let people do what they do. And like, and then I get frustrated when it doesn't turn out the way that I wanted. Like, I mean, for yeah. example, last year we were working on a big project. I mean, we did a huge uh, rehab on a fourplex and at the end of the project, like my bookkeeping, like the person I thought was in charge of it, like it, the books were a mess and I was complaining about that. And you're like, well, Brennan, you need to take responsibility for that. Like that's your <laughs> job. Can you talk about like, let's, yeah, talk, talk about that a little bit. I mean, like, what do you mean by that? Take responsibility for the leadership of your team. So I... <laughs> I hope I will. <laughs> Thank you for telling me that, Brandon. Uh, you are very nice really about well it. You are <laughs> very nice. And I, I agree with Brandon. you. <laughs> he, was, he was drinking that day, so he doesn't remember. But uh, Oh, no, I, I vividly remember the conversation. Okay. Uh, I didn't realize it was so impactful. It but, was. Uh, it was. I'm glad to hear that. But, so the reason I could say that is because I did that and I had that same moment in my own team. And I had the same experience with my people. And, and I came back after um, a real estate mastermind and uh, I had kind of had this epiphany and talked with a couple of the people on our team. And I sat everybody down, uh, 9 a.m. You know, meeting or whatever it was. And I literally said, I'm sorry. 
there's a lot of screwed up stuff going on here and it's my fault. And we had to start sitting down and, and so like for ex in your example, you know, if it was over budget, well, why was it over budget? Was it clear on what the scope was? Was it clear when they got their draw? Uh, and, and so in ours, whether it was property management, how fast was our turn or how do we place our tenant or, you know, on the construction side, just like what we talked about, they didn't have a selection sheet. So the contractor was like white tile. Cool. You know, they, they didn't know, Hey, it's the three by six or it's the, you know, four by 12 and it's this grout color and it's this pattern. So that was my fault. And so for me, it, it had to be, and, and we talk about the one thing. And so what's the one thing? And it might be super, super tiny, which is literally what is the tile we're going to use on the backsplash of every turnkey house? Or it's the one thing, which is how are we going to process uh, an application for rent? Or how are we going to onboard a new client? So for you, Brandon, I, I think I was thinking about how do you help start telling the people what you want? Yep. And then you put the processes in place for you to get the result uh, that you were looking for. I like it. And I'm trying, I'm actually, I'm in the, you know, doing this flip right now that I closed on last week and I'm like trying to take a hundred percent responsibility for this thing. Like I'm involved, you know, whether or not I'm the day-to-day -day guy that's there, at least I want to be in charge. Everything that goes wrong is my fault. Uh, and I'm trying to put those processes in place now. Cause yeah, I don't, when you don't have processes, we don't have, people don't know what they're doing. Everyone's frustrated. Yeah. Exactly. And you haven't explained to them what, what the end result is that you're looking for. And so that was one of those things. So you, in your case, maybe you do need to be on, on the job site more often, but you're helping train that contractor of, this is how I want the layouts of these kitchens. This is the kind of finishes that I expect. No, it's not cool to slot paint over the, over the white trim. You know, we want it nice and tight. Go fix this and this and this and this and this. This is, this is how it's supposed to look. And then now you've explained to them, you set the conditions for them, and now you've explained to them, and now you can say, hey, no, you go do that. This is what I've asked you to do. Yeah, I like that a lot. I like that a lot. Yeah, I, I came to the realization that you know any, any frustration in my life is likely the result of a failed system on my part. I'm, mm -hmm. And I think of everything that I'm frustrated in life, there's a system broken there that I yep. can try to, try to work on. Um, anyway, and I you can with your take brain that system. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you can take that a step further, which is what we did where in the book traction, they talk about the issues list and having your quarterly rocks and your yearly goal and whatever all those things are. And so one of the things we did, and uh, we, we have an actual place in Podio where anybody on our staff can put in an issue. And so we're not saying, hey, we're not going to deal with this issue or I might not be able to get it to, to it today. But they have a place to put in there. And, and by the way, not only do they have a place to put the issue, but then we ask them to give a proposed solution like to that. what the problem is. So that way, uh, as problems come up, it's not just getting uh, silent. It's not silent. We're not putting it away. And so like the next time you have that come up, now you can go back and say, oh, I had this issue. How did I solve it? You're not replicating uh, solving the problems. And then you take the problem, you take the solution, you put it into a process, and then you just repeat the heck out of it. Yeah, I like that a lot. That's awesome. Um, I, yeah, Attraction was a great book about like systematizing your business and just how do you scale? How do you, how do you get that traction, I guess, as they call it? So uh, what, are exactly. the books, what are the books are you reading right now? I know we asked that question you later know, in the Famous Four, but. 
Yeah, we uh, we were talking about well, actually, to that point in this conversation, uh, I have this sitting in my desk right now. And Jocko, you owe me like at least ten books, but this extreme <laughs> ownership book was just phenomenal. I'm and, sure, that's and the, the guy that you want to tell that he, yeah, owes, he owes you something. You. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I am. I am <laughs> All uh, right, there uh, you go. He's, uh, you know, you know, just because he's a Navy SEAL and just because he's a jujitsu, you know, stud, you know, terrifying human being. <laughs> <laughs> They can put it in the mail. I don't have to, you know, rest, you know, be a jujitsu match with them for it. But uh, that book was amazing. And and I, one of the things I loved about it was he, uh, he talked about in the very first chapter that there was this this um, experience. They had this blue on blue is what they call it, and which means basically friendly fire. And uh, after every mission, uh, Navy SEALs, they would sit their guys back down and they would talk about what happened in the mission, what went well, what, what do we need to work on. And and this was kind of one of the things that hit me right in the teeth. And he sat everybody down after that mission and, and everybody in the chain of command for him, um, you know, up and down to the generals and all the way down to his, you know, lowest ranking guys were, you know, super upset. He's in big trouble and he sits everybody down and he says, you know, whose fault is this? And everybody starts looking around at each other and people start to say that it's my fault. It's my fault. And he says, no, it's not your fault. It's my fault. And so I just love this book. I love thinking about how they had people in the field. And uh, in this book, they talk about decentralized command. And everything we've been talking about this morning is about how do you explain what you want, but then give the power and autonomy for your guys to go get it and then reward them and praise them and tell them what they, they're doing a good job and help them critique and, and get better what they're doing. Yeah. So what, what do you do when something goes wrong? What do you do? You've decentralized and – you know, your guys are, are not doing it as, as they're supposed to, or, you know, ah, it's not my fault. You know, yeah. what, what do you do in that situation? Cause surely you're, you're going to come across that. Yes, absolutely. Well, I think, I think the, the ownership on the front end for it being my fault is true because if they, if they didn't have the clarity in what they were being asked to do, then, then I'll own that. And then I think there's an importance separating the emotion we have to feeling frustrated and then the actual whatever they did wrong. So, you know, you can feel frustrated, but they're not going to learn much from you being frustrated. They're going to learn from you actually telling them what happened, uh, what was wrong, and then how we fix it the next time. And then you give them the opportunity and the training to do it. And I remember for years and years, uh, even on the hiring side, like hire hire uh, uh, an assistant go write up contracts, go find me some deals. Goodbye. See you later. What does that really mean? They have yeah. no idea. Yep, right. Absolutely no idea. And so, and then you're going to be upset because you don't have the actual result that you thought that you would get from telling them to go write up a contract and, you know, send it to title and, you know, find you some deals. And so for me, we started, and even the way we onboard people now too, is they take much smaller bites. This is how you do this one thing. Let's do it again and let's do it again and let's do it again. Oh, screwed it up? No problem. Let's do it again. And and then uh, back to that selection sheet on the job site. This is what it looks like. This is a picture of what it looks like. This is the content of what it looks like. And so I, I really try to um, put it in a context. If they want to be there, they're going to want to get it right. And if they're if they don't care, they're in the wrong place. And they can they can go work somewhere else where where nobody cares, but that's not what we want, and that's not the culture that we want. And we talk about it through our core values of our business and say, hey, we we're gonna do the right thing every time. And if that if that's what you want to do, let's do it again. Awesome, I love it. I love it. 
Well, cool. Well, I mean, we could talk about leadership forever, but I'm just going to get you on a private call and I'm going to make you teach me how to be a better leader. <laughs> uh, if you could, I mean, if there's one piece of advice we could kind of leave off this topic, topic with is like, if I want to be a better leader, what should I do? Mm. What do I do to be a better leader in my business and my family and my life and whatever? Yeah. I think you have to start with you. Uh, I was on the phone, a phone call with a friend of mine, Darren, uh, who's kind of got that old uh, country boy. Uh, he'd probably hate that I'd say that, but uh, <laughs> he, <laughs> he's, he's got that spiritual soul and he can really help. And, and he was talking about how in his life, and he's got a monster wholesale business and they do um, amazing stuff. And uh, he was talking about how he had to start here first, inside. And and that was not because he didn't love his wife or didn't care for his kids and whatever. But if I am not dealing with whatever is happening in here, I cannot possibly help anybody else. And so what does that mean? Well, that means I am getting to the gym. It means I am eating well. It means that I am learning all the time. So I try to read a book every week or week and a half um, so that I typically do audible books. But I'm, I'm consistently – if you can get in the car or you can be in your office and there's the radio playing, hey, guess what? Wrong answer. Turn the radio off, get an audible book or whatever that is, or rent one from the library, and you could be taking in that information and, and, and putting it in your brain. And then I am consistently putting myself in uncomfortable positions to be more comfortable. So if, if I am comfortable all the time, I'm not going to be pushing to find answers to help them. So I'm going to sit down with one of my staff people and say, hey, what's going on? No, really, what's going on? Let's look at that issues list item. Let's talk about it. What's the big challenge? And if you can meet somebody where they are and you're actually helping them solve problems so that they can do their job, you are then enabling yourself to be able to do the things that you are truly supposed to be doing. I love it. I love awesome. It. That's great. Right. Well, I'm committed and to be a better way, leader. Can I <laughs> talk about one more please, thing, please. which is I, I really truly believe it starts with um, asking what you are supposed to be doing, what do I want to be doing, and then how do I help the people around me do all the things that I'm not. I love, I love that. it. That's great. Perfect. Awesome. All right. Well, Golly. let's let's shift gears here a little bit, and we're going to drill you on a few questions that come direct from the Bigger Pockets forums because this is the fire round. It's time for the fire round. All right. These questions, again, come straight out of the Bigger Pockets forums, which you can get to at biggerpockets.com slash forums. And uh, these are some very specific questions today. So, uh, Josh, why don't you kick us off? This is great. Uh, apparently, uh, yeah, I'm very confused because I'm usually the second question. You but are. I know. I thought I want to be nice and let you. I'm giving I'll, you the I'll ability to I'll just see how this goes. You give first. me like, you know, the TLDR question, but <laughs> let, let, let's do this. Keep, keep track here. You ready? That's Nate? a long question. Yeah, I'm ready. Hi. I'm 23 Hi. years old. Hi. I'm 23 years old and have been trying to get started in real estate investing, but no luck. I know this wasn't going to be easy, but it almost feels impossible. I finally tried to get pre-qualified for a loan of about eighty dollars to $90,000 or so. The loan officer that took my application finally called back and pretty much told me I can't if I don't have fifteen dollars to $20,000 to put down. She said, I don't make enough to support a loan of that much. I make about $2,600 a month and have only my truck payment of $560 a month. She said that the loan payment I would have, uh, let's say the loan uh, loan payment I would have too much debt to income and would not qualify. She also specifically asked me if it was for myself or to rent out. I know I've heard before not to say it's an investment property, 
what's the best way to build capital or buy your first property? And is that okay for me to say that it is indeed for an investment property? Okay. And done. Wow. That's a, that's a really short and succinct question. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. I, I think, I think there's a really simple answer here. You cannot expect to have the different result by doing the same activity. So first of all, if the bank's not going to do it, you, you're not going to just automatically go add income or properties or whatever. Stop doing that. You're just going to have a bunch of credit pulls. It's not going to be helpful. Um, so there's a couple ways you can do that. First of all, mentor, coach, partner. One of those things you could you could absolutely have. And there's some opportunity there's there's a cost to that depending upon which way you go. Probably the cheapest route uh, is is that JV kind of opportunity. So you find a somebody in your market that you look up to, and you continually ask to be a part of that. Maybe you even work for free. Maybe you do the whole deal for nothing. Second is in the last couple uh, weeks, I, I I put a house under contract. You know, no money out of pocket. It's going to go in my personal portfolio. So there are different ways to structure deals. So. Some place that you could look at is and Brandon, I can't remember. Uh, and please don't be offended. <laughs> the book title. It's but, long. You know, the book on investing oh, in real estate with no one low money down. Oof, thank you. Where, uh, where do they get that? Biggerpockets.com. Biggerpockets. No money. Yeah. Yeah. See, I, I had that. All right. Thanks. Uh, <laughs> yeah, man. And uh, and so you could you can learn the strategy of buying these things with with uh, less or no money, and you're not dealing with that bank underwriter who's going to look at a thousand documents and want a blood sample and all that, and they're it's based around the actual property that you're buying. So it's called an asset-based loan and, and, and not your income and, uh, you know, DTI-based uh, loan. So, and, and I would never in a million years propose to say if it is an investment property that you not say it is. Yeah. So you cannot you. ever, ever start without having your moral compass on the right direction. Thank you. And lying on a, on a mortgage application mortgage is like fraud. a federal offense. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah. And even besides the whole jail part, uh, <laughs> yeah, just morally, don't do that. Don't do it, yeah. Yeah, um, it, it's, it's good to sleep at night and, uh, and, and, and don't make that choice. Yeah, that's really good advice there. I would also just add, and again, I don't, I'm not judging, I don't know the exact situation, but if you make 2600 a month, you should not have a $560 truck payment. Like I don't have a $560. I don't have a car payment period because I, yeah. it holds you back. Like if you imagine what, if you didn't have that, I know maybe it's, you didn't realize it at the time or whatever, but man, I mean, if you yeah. have to have a car, get a $200 car payment, if you have to, or a hundred dollar car payment, but right. drive something cheap. And I mean, if you're making 2,600 a month, yeah. yeah. Anyway. No, I, I agree. I, th- I think for the first time in my life, I have a car payment close to that high and Fancy. you know, yeah, well, you make a little more go. than twenty six hundred a month, I think. So, and so I have I, one as well, but I have a lease, and I, you know, I write off the vast majority of that. And uh, so there's yeah. different ways you can structure that and, when you're at the. And point there's a that time and place that. for it, right? I mean, like we right, are right, all right. like we are all consistently or more than twenty six hundred a month. And there's, I think, people yeah. just want to achieve the, the the dream before they've earned the dream. You know, like they. You know, well, you my, my brother. My brother, you know, when he was starting real estate investing, he bought like a seven hundred dollar truck off of some guy that was getting rid of it. It wasn't great. It broke down once in a blue moon. He had to put, you know, some sweat equity into keeping the truck alive, but he didn't have a car payment. Right. So, you know, you're, you're, if you're starting out and 
Man, today we got a lot of plugs. Sorry, guys. But there's a book. It's called <laughs> Set for Life. It's yes, written it by is. Scott Trench. It's a big Red Bucket's book. And it's, it talks about all these things. But one of the things it talks about is frugality and just being smart with your money and using frugality as a means to an end towards getting those first deals out the door. You could buy the book at biggerpockets.com slash set for life. But the book's amazing. And just that mindset is yeah. is a total shift um, yeah. for a lot I of people. The, uh, the other book would be Rich Dad, Poor Dad, yeah. and really yep. thinking about what that earning is and yep. and um, how you actually think about that result that you want and put the pieces in place to do it. I totally yeah. agree. I love it. Love it. All, All right. right. Well, that was the longest fire round question. That was in, the longest history, fire round right? question ever. All right. Question number two. <laughs> it's a lot shorter. I'm finding that property managers are expensive. I'm out of state. Can I just manage the property myself from out of state? <laughs> you're shaking your head and then you're. Don't do thinking. it. Yep. Uh, you know, I, I own a property management business and yes, it is expensive. Human capital is expensive. Getting great people is expensive. And so, you know, do you want to get the uh, mediocre of property management or do you want to get the greater property management? So you need to interview people. If you can't afford the management, you probably can't afford the house. So Ooh, I, like that. I just, I, I think that it's a dangerous, dangerous play for the vast majority of people. I know, I'm sure there's some people out there who, who are self-managing stuff out of state. Good for you. I would never do that. I would find a great partner on the ground. Who's going to be looking at your property, making sure the maintenance is cared for and, and it's taken care of. Awesome. Awesome. And I, I love what you said in there. And I, I, I don't know if a lot of people caught it, but you said, if you, it was something like, if I can't afford it, then if don't you can't do afford it. the, can't afford the can't house. house. Right. Yeah. And, and we, we talk about that. I know Brandon, you talk about that on, on webinars. We have been talking about that here at bigger pockets for years and years and years uh, from when we started talking about the 50% rule, yeah. you know, and what, what a lot of new investors will do. And a lot of gurus will kind of push is, Hey, well, you know, if you self-manage that cuts eight to 10, 12% of your costs, so just do that, you know, and, and then you could factor that into the deal. Well, the problem with that is this. At some point in time, there is a likelihood that you no longer will want to manage the property yourself. You know, if you're just buying one or two properties, eh, okay, maybe you'll do it. But as you scale, something's going to change at some point. There is a pretty good chance that you're going to want some management. Well, guess what? You didn't factor that into to, to this deal, deal and opportunity. And so what was supposed to be a great deal that you were making five, six percent, what you got to pay out eight percent now. If now you're minus three percent, uh oh, you're well, in trouble. Not to mention what what are you buying that rental house for? You want passive income, you want to build your wealth, you want to have cash flow, you want to be able to do what you want. Or do you really want to take the co the phone call to fix the toilet? And do you really want to, you know, take the weekend call when there's some water in the basement or whatever the problem might be? So I think I think it's very short-sighted if you're not thinking about why you actually bought that property and what it's supposed to do uh, in your life. Yeah, and even True if that. you even if you want to manage yourself, I still budget for management, and then I pay myself yep. a management fee, so that yep. at any point I could turn and give it to somebody else, and I still the investment makes sense on its own. It stands on its own. Yep, exactly. Cool. Exactly. Awesome. Awesome. And and along with that, really, really quick, there's. Lots of other factors that people, do, you know, vacancy rates and CapEx, like you guys that are new, please, please jump on the calculators on BiggerPockets. Look at all these things that we account for, because if you're not thinking about all that when you buy a property, you're going to get yourself in trouble. Yeah. Please, please do that. All right. Number three. Seems to me 
when I look into buying a $60,000 house, it comes with issues. It's potentially on its last leg in a neighborhood that's consistent with the same issues and the same price point. Okay, I think I get that. When when I go up to 100000 you're basically getting turnkey and not much fix-up. And again, I don't know what market this guy's in, but do the math in your own market. What do you think an investor should do? I'm after cash flow, not appreciation. Okay. Well, I think there's a couple of questions. Uh, yeah. So this this is pretty this is pretty comparable in our market. So I'll just use ours as an example. Yep. So you know, at sixty, I, I think the question is really, what am I buying this, and how? What what am I going to do with it? So if you're buying it at sixty and you expect just to put a renter in it, you know, it's a bad move. You haven't made a good choice. If you don't have the cash to do it, you don't have the contracts to do it. You don't want to do it. You know, maybe you know, ask yourself that, do you want to manage? Do you want to run the construction? Whatever. And then the second is, you know, are, are you looking for, what is the opportunity cost? So at the hundred thousand dollars, you had somebody else who had took the risk. So that's what we tell our, our clients too. Like we, Hey, we took the risk. We have a profit margin built into these things, but we also tell you what we're going to do in the, in the scope of work. And then we give you a warranty for it. So, you know, I think the person who's buying this $60,000 house is the one who made the choice to put the work in on the front end and then they reap the benefit on the back. But, you know, you have to make the choice if you want to actually do the work and if you have the capacity to do it and you uh, want to learn and go through the hassles of, of actually solving that problem. Got it. Makes sense. Makes sense. Awesome. All right. Number four. So this somebody, this is a oh, much longer thread or, or question, but I kind of, I'll sum it up with this. Basically, somebody hired a contractor to do some work on their bathroom at their house, and it says here, it says, here's the dilemma. I stupidly left a family heirloom quilt handmade by my great-grandmother draped on a chair in the living room, and the workers decided to use it to clean up waste in the bathroom. I came <laughs> in one day to find it sodden on the floor of the shower. The you know, general contractor tried to get it washed. What do I do? <laughs> uh, well, I think step Judge one. Judge Wapner. Step one, I believe it's called uh, extreme ownership. Yeah. <laughs> so don't leave your family uh, heirlooms in the house for a uh, – I mean I think the unfortunate thing is there's nobody's responsibility but their own. Yeah. So you don't, um, you don't like deduct it from your – any pay from the contract or anything? I don't think so. I, I, I mean it, it's hard to understand the context of everything unless you were standing there and saw it. But at the same time, you know, the contractor, you, you wouldn't expect somebody to pick up one of your own personal things and, and use that. But, um, I, you know, I, I think it's a difficult thing where if, if it's that important to you, why was it so close to the uh, construction site in the first place? I agree. Right. I agree. All right. That was the end of the fire round. I might argue that one, but you know, you? This, this is not yeah. debate. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, why Josh? What look, do you think? It's your well, fault. You left, it, you left it sitting there. I left it sitting there, <laughs> but it was not a, you know, this is not a dish rag or, or unless it right. looks like a dish rag, right? I mean, if it looks like, oh, this is a crappy old rag, I mean, you know, if it looks, it sounds like it's a blanket or a quilt. Yeah. I mean, like who uses, who goes to somebody's house and grabs their quilt and uses it to clean up shit from the, the, the bathroom. I mean, like <laughs> who does that? But don't get me wrong. I don't disagree with you. Yeah, yeah I know. I think the question is, is can you really blame the but person? The, the, the challenge is how do you, how do you, how much is that stupid? That's not stupid. It's an heirloom. How much is it worth? Right. right. So like, Hey, listen, you know, 
this thing's probably uh, it costs them 50 bucks it's probably worth a hundred or a thousand or millions of them you're not going to pay them that i think you would probably want to say to the gc hey listen like you know yes perhaps it should not have been there at the same token your workers never in a million years should have taken this thing and used it to clean the floor and sure. destroy it you know let's figure out how we can work this out yeah, you know, and and then you know, it, it's also the responsibility of the contractor to tell his guys, yeah, don't take people's crap yeah. and use it to clean your mess. Yeah, so I, agree. I I do think there's a conversation there. I don't think it's like, oh, you you know, you're gonna eat it. I think, you know, I'm a New Yorker. We don't we, we don't like when people screw us like that. So, <laughs> well, I think the question though is, how do you actually rectify it? And you put, I, I don't know, I don't know. I mean, maybe you say. You know, you you find some value and say, listen, you know, this job was a ten thousand dollar job. You know, what are you willing to do given that you've destroyed this, you know, hundred year old heirloom from my great Grammy? You know, <laughs> yeah. and if he's like, I do nothing. Okay, well, you know, I'll be sure to keep that in mind. You know, going forward. You know, and right. if it's like, oh, you know what, I'll give you a couple hundred bucks. Anything it, to, to make it to, right to make it right is is going to be the right thing from the contractor. At least I, yeah, some something something reasonable. And I would yeah. And it go ahead. Go ahead, Brandon. Well, I'll just say I'd also look at it as how good a relationship do you have with the contractor? You know, maybe right. this is a really good way to get a better price on the next deal. You know, like hey man, you really screwed me over here. My wife is so sad. She's been crying for days. You know, let's just work this out on the next deal, cool? And then they owe you basically. I mean, I would I'd potentially work it that way. Yeah, but there's there's lots of angles. You got to figure it out, but. Um, anyway, I, I, I just I don't I don't think you accept that. Hey, I screwed up and move on. Yeah, you did, but they did too. So by the way, I'm right. gonna put a, I'm gonna put a link to all of these threads that we talked about here in the fire round today. If you guys are listening to this and you want to go jump into those conversations, just go to biggerpockets.com. I show 232, and you can find links to all these threads and jump into the conversation. Why have we not been doing this? I don't know. <laughs> I never now. I never thought about that. Well, well, Josh suggested something earlier too. Is whenever we talk about a book, why don't we just have a URL to to the Amazon page like. Go to biggerpockets.com slash extreme ownership. And uh, Dave, who's our podcast editor, will make a little short code on biggerpockets. So go to biggerpockets.com slash extreme ownership and biggerpockets.com slash traction. And you can get more information about those books. So this makes so Jocko can sense. send a hundred of them. In this so Jocko can now, now send a hundred. Is, yeah. yeah. is Jocko going to send me some copies? I, I don't quite know Jocko, <laughs> but I have sampled the book. Hey, actually, why don't we get sounds? He Why sounds like a, a bit of a tough guy. Get, get him um, on the podcast. Yeah, let's get Jocko on the podcast. All right, we're going to do and it. Then, and then I should just fly to Denver, and then we can do a little <laughs> jujitsu. You know. Well, Brandon said he, he could take him. Brandon said I he can take can on Jocko. <laughs> Come on, that guy. I yeah. can take him. I follow him, yeah. on, I follow him on Instagram, and he's like the best Instagram guy to follow. He, he, every day he posts pictures of his of, – this is just what? random and funny, but it's his – it's the – like the floor under where he worked out. So it's always like this like sweat stained black and white floor, but it's like artwork every time. It's like my favorite post of the day. I don't know. Is that weird and gross? But it's so funny. It's totally gross. It's man. so totally funny. Gross. Yeah. Check it out. Follow, follow Jock. What's it? Jocko Willick. Is that how you say his last name? Willink. Will. Yeah. yeah Willink. Follow him on Instagram and follow Josh and me and Nathan on Instagram too. All right. All right. So, uh, with that, yeah. we're at the famous, famous four. four time. Famous, yeah, let's do this. Famous four. This is the famous four. All Come right, on, Nathan. Did we ever make you do it back in the day? No, man. I was here. It's too bad. The famous four. <laughs> That's pretty good. That's our new recording. We're gonna use that. That's actually yeah, good. Yeah, we'll take it. All right. That's actually really funny. We should take that. All right. Uh, famous four. Question number one. And of course, you've been on the show a couple of times, so these might be the same, might be different. 
What is currently your favorite real estate, specifically your real estate related book? Favorite. A real estate related book. Um, Other than all of mine, of course, you know. (laughs) Obviously. (laughs) Obviously. Other than all of yours. Uh, (laughs) uh, You know, I think the my my favorite is my wife and I are going back through the millionaire real estate investor book. I really like it just because it's simple language, it's simple deals, it's not super complicated. Um, and I've, I've read a bunch of those books and I think there's a bunch out there, but I just love how simple it is. And I, and I think the, those guys do a great job on really all their books. So I, I agree. Cool. Cool. Awesome. Next question. Favorite business book outside of the one that we've been talking about the uh, extreme ownership. Yeah. I think that my favorite right now would be E-Myth. It, it really has challenged me on the way that I thought about bringing on new people in our business and it's really encouraged me in a way. What so E myth stands for entrepreneur myth, and so uh, the first couple of minutes or you know hour, it really felt like uh, the same story that I lived through, which was bringing somebody on, um, telling them to go write some contracts, and then saying you know have fun, go do it. Yep. And it really helps you process that information and 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 uh, really apply it to what you're doing. By the awesome. way, you can get. Go to biggerpockets.com slash millionaire investor to get the millionaire real estate investor or biggerpockets.com slash e-myth to get the e-myth. Ah, I like that. I look, like this. this look at the, yeah, this is great. It's great, right? Good idea. Yeah. Makes things good easy idea, for Josh. our listeners. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Nathan Brooks, besides growing very thick beards. Yeah. Flipping yeah. houses. Yeah. What do, what do you do for fun, man? You know, I have really gotten into jujitsu and uh, kickboxing. Oh, nice. You and, and Brandon so, should fight. We should. I could yeah. take you easily. He'd be terrified, though. He, I don't know how he'd really handle it once he was in there. Oh, I'd handle it. So, oh, he I'd would scream like you, a right. little girl. It would be <laughs> hysterical. So, I, so, I, would pay, I would pay for this. In fact, you know what? I bet you our listeners would yeah. pay to watch Brandon fight you or anybody in an anybody. arena. We, we should do a charity event, actually. We should do Brandon versus anyone as a charity event. I think it would be amazing. People would pay a ton of money to do <laughs> it. It's like a really good idea. So I hired a personal <laughs> trainer twice a week. So I have an hour and a half twice a week uh, with a pro fighter. So wow. we do spend a lot of time on uh, the jujitsu. We spend a lot of time on the striking. That's you impressive. Know, just got to get the practice in. Okay. Okay. All right. <laughs> <laughs> so All right. Any, anything else? You know, I have actually uh, also gotten into bird hunting. So I have this beautiful uh, German short hair uh, pointer. And so uh, his name's Gunner. And we uh, we do lots of fetch. We do lots of uh, training and uh, shoot lots dog? of shotguns. Is that yeah. a dog? Oh, okay. It's a German short hair pointer. Yep. <laughs> I didn't even know that was so, a uh, dog. German point, yep. point hair? What? German short hair pointer. I'll German send you a picture. Point hair. Sh- all right all right let's end this thing with my final well we got a couple questions but my last of the famous four what do you believe sets apart successful real estate investors from those who give up fail or never get started i think we spent the whole time talking about it uh today which was really starting here and uh you have to make a choice what that actually looks like and you have to be committed to to um, go through the harder times. You have to be committed to learning. You have to be committed to all experiences that come with that. So if you're not willing to put a, put forth the effort and and do the learning and, and and do all those things, then you probably haven't aligned what your actual goal is with reality. So you have to start with the goal, and you have to make sure it's congruent with what you actually want to do. And then uh, if you make that choice and you put the work in, I, I believe that truly people can actually uh, 
achieve that goal. It's great. Deep. It's great. Wow. Very moving. Very, very moving. <laughs> I practiced it all week. I appreciate <laughs> you, Nathan. I appreciate you, Josh. Oh. All right, man. Before we let you get out of here, where can people find out more about you? Where can they connect with you and how do they learn more? Well, I am I am obviously on Bigger Pockets. And I'm sure we'll have a link for that. I don't remember off the top of my head what it is. And then uh, bridgeturnkey.com. So that's our uh, turnkey site. And then uh, also on facebook.com slash fixfliprentkc. Uh, so we have all our stuff and pictures and clients and all that stuff on there. Cool. And and you guys can get links to anything we talked about at biggerpockets.com slash show 232. Nathan Brooks. Thank you again for coming on the show. We really do appreciate it. Thank you, guys. I appreciate it as well. Yeah, thank you. All right, guys. That was Nathan Brooks. That was a great show. That was fantastic. I, I like the shows where we just really drill down into a couple key topics, like how are you finding deals? Yep. And those uh, those four methods, I think, were fantastic. I think anybody can apply those to their business. Yes, yes. Yeah, no, it's great. And it sounds like he's he's scaled up a, a pretty serious business. His, his ideas on leadership are great. So great, great job, Nathan. Yeah. Thanks, Nathan. So, uh, Josh, yeah. what's going on with you these days? What, what are your summer plans? Summer plans. Summertime. I am. What am I doing? I am. I'm going, uh, I'm going on an adventure with the family at some point this summer. And you're RV? We are going, going RV in. Nice. Yeah. We're, we're going to, you can stay my, hit I, I have RV parking. You can stay right here. In, you in should drive. Up? Yeah, in my driveway, I have a little RV parking spot. I do. I don't have an nice. RV, but I have parking. Do you have like a a, a dump that I can? Dump? I do. Really? <laughs> I don't. Right, no. right in your driveway. I live on the edge of a hill. Just, put it, just let it go down the hill. It's fine. Yeah, I don't know that you want that. The neighbors at the but, bottom uh, might not like it, but whatever. Yeah, I think we're gonna go check out uh, Glacier, uh, Yosemite, uh, Yellowstone, not Yosemite. You know where you should go? Rushmore. Yeah, and, I was gonna say you should go to the Black Hills of South Dakota and the Badlands, yeah. and there's a yeah, place called. This place called Bear Country, USA. It's in Rapid yeah. City. Oh my gosh, it's my favorite place in the entire world. They have like hundreds of bears. You just drive around them and wolves. And anyway, it's wow. crazy awesome. Yeah, it's like the yeah, coolest so thing ever. We're going to go explore. So very cool. Yeah. How about you? What are you going to do? I'm going to nuts. drive you insane. No, I don't know. I'm, uh, I'm hoping to do some traveling as well. We'll see. But uh, I got a bunch of rehabs going on this summer. So I'm going to be busy managing those because I'm taking ownership for them. Yeah. You know, but uh, extreme ownership, taking extreme ownership, but I'm going down to California to do some surfing in July. So that'd be fun. Nice. Have fun. It'll be great. You can meet me me down there. We'll do some surfing together. Your old stomping grounds. Yeah, buddy. All right. All right. Let's get out. Guys, this is show 32 of the Bigger Pockets podcast. Again, check out the show notes at biggerpockets.com slash show 232. With that, let's get out of here. Wait, 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 All right. So. We have like a hidden segment at the end of every show and a lot of people don't listen to it probably because they don't even know it's there. And so we don't usually talk about it, but today's was so funny. You guys need to go listen to it. It's right after this music that starts right now. You're listening to Bigger Pockets Radio, simplifying real estate for investors large and small. If you're here looking to learn about real estate investing without all the hype, you're in the right place. Be sure to join the millions of others who have benefited from biggerpockets.com. Your home for real estate investing online. It's time for it's time for it's time for the random five.
All right, and of course, as usual, we've got our little hidden segment of the show here we want to uh, bring in, and this is our random five random or six. six. Now it's six five. here. Five, we're six. We're confused. All right, we're doing random six. These are six random questions we're going to throw at you just to get to know you a little bit better, Nathan, completely unrelated to real estate. Uh, number right. one, do you like any, or do you like traditional sports like football, football, baseball, soccer, or extreme sports like snowboarding, BMX, motocross better? I'm an avid baseball and football fan, so I would definitely have to say those are, are uh, mine, and uh, I would say go Royals and go Chiefs. All right. <laughs> oh, wow, wow. Is that like a right, next- fo- hockey team football? I don't even know. I, I, I don't know. No, no, uh, it's, in the, it's in the middle of nowhere. Nobody actually cares. Um, yeah, next, you're not on the next, coast. Whatever. Other than that, you know, <laughs> world championship, you know, no, no big what? deal. No big deal. What? That didn't happen. <laughs> um, all right, next question. Do you have a landline telephone in your house? No way. No I, I try not to uh, be anywhere near my phone at all times. Well, that's sort of a lie. But uh, no, absolutely no. Do you guys have a landline? Yes, yeah. I do. That <laughs> is because I am He's old. So old. <laughs> <laughs> my hey, grandma has a landline. Steve, I just gave up my AOL email address. Good, good wow. job. Hey, it's, I'm getting. You have the voicemail with the cassette. Well, please leave a Thank message you. at the beep, and and I actually listen to the voicemails too. No, wow. that's not. Amazing. No, no, I don't. I don't listen. think I've listened to a voicemail in years. Well, that explains a lot. You didn't get my message last night. Oh man, that's that, this is awkward. Soccer. Voicemail delete. <laughs> All right. Next question. I like this one. This is fun. Uh, if you were in prison for a long time, we're gonna say I'm gonna get my number. If you're in prison for 25 years and you had the opportunity to escape, would you? Because 25 years is not life. That's an obvious. Of course, you would if it was life, but. If you had the opportunity to escape, you're in for 25 years, you're five years into it. Do you take it? Well, I have to refer to the movie that I enjoy that has Shawshank. a similar theme. Well, either Shawshank Redemption or uh, The Count of Monte Cristo. Oh, okay. And so there has to be that phenomenal backstory and the priest that teaches you how to be a ninja or whatever he is. <laughs> and then you read all this amazing literature, you dig it out with a spoon and then you become the Count of Monte Cristo with the giant, you know, fat estate on the you know center of town. So I'll go with yes in that fashion. All right. Well, I like that. By the way, I'm actually reading that book right now. I never read it before, you know? Great. Book. Yeah. I'm, I'm like, I don't know, quarter of the way through it. It's good. All right. Last. All right. Oh, then we have two more, right? Yeah. yeah. What is your favorite Girl Scout cookie? Oh, man. What's the one with the chocolate and the peanut butter? I don't even know. Tra- garbage? I don't mem- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, whatever, not whatever Thin Mint. that one's called, that's my favorite. Yeah, there's there there's Thin Mint cookies, and then there's everything else garbage, like in my mind. Samoas. No, no. Okay. Oh, yeah. Some people like Samoas. Oh, yeah. No, that no way. Yeah. yeah, chocolate and peanut butter in the same cookie? I mean, come on. Yeah. yeah. Uh, All right. Next question. Last one of the famous random six. For you. For me. Do you attend your high school reunions? Because we're not five now. We're six. Do you attend attend your high school reunion? Uh, I did not attend my uh, last one. And uh, it is uh, out out with the jury on the uh, future one. All right. Were you cool in high school? I know it's not the question. No. Definitely not. Loser? Okay. That's Definitely what I <laughs> Was anybody actually cool in high school? No. Like maybe three. Yeah, every yeah. high school got like three. But they're all the ones that are like losers today. So I'm going to, you know, 
It's like it reverses in life. I mean, Josh was really cool in high school, which is why he's, <laughs> you know. I was the antithesis of really cool in high school. Oh, man. That is yeah. completely. If uh, orchestra and choir, you know, really uh, go yep. for like the really cool category, then I was definitely really <laughs> Awesome. Uh, all right. Peeing your pants is the coolest. Consider me Miles <laughs> Davis. <laughs> well, what what did I miss there? That, was from, that was from what, Billy Madison. Anyway. If, uh, anyway. Yeah, yeah. All right. All right <laughs> last like question. My favorite line of any movie of all time. Outside. Stop talking. I'm outside done. of yourself. Because yeah, this show, 200 plus thousand people will listen to this over the next you know two or three weeks. Outside of yourself. Did any of your childhood friends become famous? Uh, I got a buddy of mine who is on Gotham. His name's Drew Powell. Nice. Um, I got a couple of buddies who play in amazing bands uh, all over the world and produce amazing records and play uh, music. So that's pretty cool. And uh, I think that's about it. I think we all know somebody that's famous. Yeah. Yeah. Probably. Yeah, we know you, right? I mean, your 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 oh, face yeah. is everywhere. Oh, actually, here, funny story. So, so this oh, is no. Josh's famous. I don't, I don't know. I don't no, know what is, we're doing. This is so. <laughs> my wife and I are sitting in Josh's <laughs> living room, and Josh has some friends over. It was like we. Were, it was a surprise party for like your what fortieth birthday or fiftieth, sixtieth. Were you like invited that. to my fortieth? I was. I was. Whatever I, I, yeah, whatever that. Invited that you. I she, wow. she did. Yeah, me and Heather came out. And we're sitting in your living room and you and your buddies, like high school or college or whatever buddies are in the kitchen. And there's this guy talking and Heather's like, I know that voice from somewhere. How do I know that guy? And it was just off his voice. And I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about. She's like, no, I know that. That's, that's a walk to remember. And it was your buddy Al, Al who played yep. the guy, Shane West's friend on a walk to remember. And, he, and then like, I yell out, Josh, like, or Al, were you in Watch to Remember? And he's like, yeah, I was. And like, you have a famous friend. And now I see him on commercials. Like yesterday, he was on some commercial for Chase or something like that. And I'm like, he's I know like, that guy. He's like the face of Uber. He's, a, he's everywhere. Maybe it was, yeah, it was Uber, yeah, yeah. Al Thompson, he's amazing. And yeah. Al is a prolific real estate investor. He is. Al is killing it in, in real estate. We've been trying to get him on the show. I know, we got to get him. He keeps turning me down. But uh, anyway, yeah, yes. Josh hangs still. out with, you know, Seinfeld and... Al Thompson. Uh, all right. <laughs> all right. It's another day in Josh's life. Yeah, right? just another day. Yeah, when you're Nathan Brooks. Thank you. Yeah, this you was guys. fun. Thank you. See you later. Braving the real estate investing journey on your own can be daunting. Doubts tend to creep up and stifle your ambition. Is this actually a good deal? Did you run the numbers right? What if you can't find a tenant? Can you even afford this place? What if you lose your job? Whatever you're going through, we've all been there. And guess what? The best way to overcome your doubts and hesitations is with a healthy dose of knowledge, networking, and accountability. And that's just what you'll find in our newly released 2024 Summer Boot Camps. After these eight action-packed weeks of step-by-step guidance from expert investors, weekly video modules, live Q&As, interactive assignments, and new friends to keep you accountable, you'll be ready to tackle your first or next deal with full confidence and expertise. Choose from the small multifamily, short-term rental, or rookie boot camps and register by April 12th for the lowest prices. Head on over to biggerpockets.com slash enroll me today. That's biggerpockets.com slash enroll me. The content of this podcast is for informational purposes only. Past performance is not indicative of future results, and all hosts and participant opinions are their own. Investment in any asset, real estate included, involves risk. Use your best judgment and consult with qualified advisors before investing. Only risk capital you can afford to lose.
BiggerPockets LLC disclaims all liability for direct, indirect, consequential, or other damages arising from reliance upon information presented in this podcast.